Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labuba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 7, A Young Man Named Saul. We're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 7, verse 58, which says this, Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is the first mention of the Apostle Paul in Scripture. He is introduced here as someone involved in the stoning of Stephen. Those engaged in throwing rocks at Stephen to kill him left their coats in Saul's charge so that they could be more liberated to throw better. This detail gives us more insight into the violent nature of Stephen's death. The men who stoned him were sweating and animated in their wicked work. The beginning of chapter 8 goes on to say this about Saul. From verse 1 to 3 of Acts 8, we read, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. At this point, if you knew nothing of the rest of Acts and the New Testament, you would just conclude that this Saul was enemy number one of the church. And your conclusion would be accurate. Paul later described himself this way in his letters and in his trials before different courts. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 12 to verse 16, we read, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. In Acts 22, from verse 3 to 5, we read, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of, the, of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem. To be punished. In Acts 26 from verse 9 to 11, we read this, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. The Greek words translated in the ESV 
as raging fury mean to have super abundant raving against. It implies a loss of one's mind in hatred for something, or in this case, someone. Again, if we didn't know the rest of the New Testament, we would most likely conclude that God is going to erase this man from the face of the earth for his behavior. Saul was responsible for the deaths of many believers. He made orphans and widows. He impoverished people by confiscating property. He took away their liberty and sent them to prison. Beyond that, he tried to influence believers to forsake the name of Jesus, to blaspheme him, to deny him. He was an instrument of Satan, opposing Jesus in every way. So, what do you think Jesus is going to do about this man? Astonishingly, in chapter 9, Jesus tells a believer named Ananias this statement about this young man named Saul. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we read, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he, referring to Saul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Jesus uses a word there that the Holy Spirit uses many times in the Bible to refer to believers. He says Paul is eklogi. The Greek word means divine selection. We say, wait a second, look at all the people he's murdered. Look at the devastation he's brought on your people. How can you give mercy to this man? Why would you choose him? Why would you say he's your chosen vessel? Isn't that unfair to the people he's hurt, to the people he's killed? You see, there are so many truths to learn about God from the story of this young man who became what many consider the greatest example of a Christian to ever live. First, we see what God says of himself demonstrated truly in his mercy on Saul. In Ezekiel 18, verse 23, God says this of himself. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? And it is here I want us to compare ourselves with God. What is your desire for your greatest enemy, that he turn from his wickedness and live? or that he burned forever, separated from the presence of God. Jesus commanded us this way in Matthew 5, verse 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Paul's life means a great deal to me because of parallels I see in the mercy God gave him and the mercy God has given me. I grew up in a Christian home under good biblical instruction from godly parents. My father is a pastor. My siblings are all godly people. Yet I resisted the authority of God over me for a desire to live according to my own selfishness. I gave myself to sexual immorality and drunken behavior. Not only that, but I blasphemed the name of God and proclaimed arguments that denied the truth of Scripture and the existence of God. But my arguments against God were never my true motivation for rejecting God. No, that was unwillingness to submit 
to the one who had rightful claim of ownership over me. But to talk to me, I might have convinced you my rationale for unbelief was because of logical contradictions or experiential problems. This is where we learn something so important from Jesus when he confronts Saul on the road to Damascus. He doesn't begin by proving to Saul that he is the Messiah. No, instead he asks him a question that goes to the heart of the matter. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, we read this. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God doesn't mess around with all the pretense and deception that occurs in the human heart and mind. This question went to the root of the problem. Why are you doing what you are doing? What is the reason for it? For Paul, the answer was he was raised in Judaism and he had misplaced faith. As he wrote to Timothy, he acted ignorantly in unbelief. This is where I myself feel the weight of my sin is greater than Paul's in a certain sense. I was raised in the gospel. I have known of Jesus since I could remember. My unbelief was not through ignorance, but rather selfishness. I cared for nothing and no one but myself. And perhaps I was a stumbling block to other people ever coming to know Christ. Saul spent three days fasting and praying after he was blinded by Jesus before Ananias came to him. When God brought me to repentance, I had three days of being unable to sleep, even a single minute at night, because I was terrified that I was separated from God forever through my blasphemy. I sought repentance with tears, but I didn't find it. God showed me that until I submitted wholeheartedly to him, I could not lay claim to him as my Lord and my God. And not many months from that day, where I first experienced the peace and joy of knowing Jesus as my Savior, he called me to leave home, possessions, family, and life to begin work as a missionary in Uganda. Some might ask why God would not only have mercy on me, but call me to be a proclaimer of the God I formerly blasphemed. The answer is that God is Heset. That's a Hebrew word which describes unending, unceasing, steadfast love and mercy. And lastly, I want to challenge each of us that God's true children also become possessors of that same type of unceasing, unending, steadfast love. As Saul looked on exultantly while Stephen was being stoned to death, Stephen said this prayer for his executioners with love and peace in his soul. In Acts 7, verse 60, we read, And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Why do you think Stephen cried this out with a loud voice? Do you think he was worried whether God could hear him? No, certainly it was for the benefit of his executioners. He wanted them to know he forgave them and that Jesus could forgive them too. Do you think that memory tingled in Saul's mind while he lay blind praying to God? Oh, why? Why have I been persecuting Jesus? Do you know which people had to forgive Saul too? Those people he had ravaged with raging fury. 
In Acts chapter 9 from verse 26 to 28, we read this. It says, And when he had come to Jerusalem at Saul, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Remember, Barnabas, which that, that wasn't Barnabas's name, his name was Joseph, but he was renamed by his fellow believers. They referred to him as Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Remember, he was in the church before Saul's persecution began. I dare say that Barnabas was probably personally affected in many ways by Saul. But Barnabas demonstrates the love of God that must be in each of our hearts. He welcomes Saul into the fellowship as a fellow recipient of the mercy of God. Friends, how are you doing with these things? Mature Christians can be sadly lacking in forgiveness and steadfast love. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul mentions two ladies who had helped him in ministry that were in a cold war with each other in the church. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, we read, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. That's quite an amazing and informative and instructive detail. These people had been helpers to Paul in sharing the gospel, and yet we see them sinfully having bitterness and coldness towards each other here in the fellowship of the assembly. God's ways are not man's ways, are they? Jesus warns us that if we're unwilling to forgive others their trespasses against us, our Heavenly Father can't forgive us either, or he won't forgive us either. That's a very serious warning, right? So last of all, are my ways like my Heavenly Father's ways yet? Or do I have some things I need to work on in these areas? God bless you all.